0: G'day, welcome to Partaker's Podcast. Come on in. We come to a very interesting passage of Scripture, Daniel chapter 8. From Daniel chapter 2 to chapter 7, we have a wide-angled panoramic view. And now from chapters 8 to 12, we zoom in on specific areas which were previously covered in that panoramic, chapter 2 to 7. In chapter 7, the prophet Daniel had a dream of four animals, which were a winged lion, a bear, a winged leopard, and a beast. So let us read together, Daniel, chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, even to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. I saw in the vision, now it was so, that when I saw, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was by the river Uli. Then I lifted up my eyes, and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, and northward, and southward, and no animals could stand before him, neither was there any who could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his own will, and magnified himself. As I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west over the surface of the whole earth, and didn't touch the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. He came to the ram that had the two horns, which I saw standing before the river, and ran on him in the fury of his power. I saw him come close to the ram, and he was moved with anger against him and struck the ram, and broke his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him, and there was none who could deliver the ram out of his hand. The male goat magnified himself exceedingly, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, instead of it there came up four notable horns toward the four winds of the sky out of one of them came forth a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south toward the east and toward the glorious land it grew great even to the army of the sky and some of the army and of the stars it cast down to the ground and trampled on them yes It magnified itself, even to the prince of the army, and it took away from him the continual burnt offering, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. The army was given over to it, together with the continual burnt offering through disobedience, and it cast down truth to the ground, and it did its pleasure and prospered. Then, then I heard a holy one speaking, And another holy one said to that certain one who spoke, How long shall be the vision concerning the continual burnt offering, and the disobedience that makes desolate, to give both the sanctuary and the army to be trodden underfoot? He said to me, To two thousand and three hundred evenings and mornings, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. It happened when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision that I sought to understand it, and behold there stood before me as the appearance of a man. I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, for the vision belongs to the time of the end. Now as he was speaking with me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. He said, Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the latter time of the indignation, for it belongs to the appointed time of the end. The rain which you saw that had the two horns, they are the kings of Medea and Persia. The rough male goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. As for that which was broken in the place where four stood up, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not with his power. In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have come to the full, a king of fierce face and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper, and do his pleasure. And he shall destroy the mighty ones and the holy people. Through his policy, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And in their security shall he destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings which has been told is true. But seal up the vision, for it belongs to many days to come. I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days then i rose up and did the king's business and i wondered at the vision but none understood it this is the word of the lord let us be thankful to god for it father as we come to look at this part of your written word the bible speak through me so that you alone will be honored and glorified i pray that we may leave here knowing we have met with you and heard from you. Amen. Here in chapter 8 we look at the bear, which here is described as a ram and a winged leopard that is described as a goat. Unlike his previous two visions which occurred at night, this one occurs during the day. Daniel was transported in the spirit to Susa, a major city of the Babylon and Persian empires. He sat down beside the Ulai Canal, 900 feet wide, and connected to two large rivers so that boats could easily pass from one to the other. Spiritually seated by the river, he lifted up his eyes. He saw a ram, a male sheep, that had two horns, and as he watched, one of its horns became larger than the other. We can be in no doubt that this ram is symbolic of the Medo-Persian Empire, because it is told to us in verse 20. The horn that grew large was the Persian Empire, which gradually took over from the Medes. The king of Persia also carried the image of a ram in front of him whenever he went into battle. It is natural for rams to be aggressive and to butt. The ram here goes in every direction but east. And historically we know that the Medo-Persian Empire did not gain much territory to the east. Then suddenly, the dream changes. Coming in from the west races a male goat that is travelling so fast that its feet do not touch the ground. Verse 21 tells us that this is the Greek empire and the horn is its first king, Alexander the Great. In actual fact, he even named one of his sons Alexander Goat. The feet not touching the ground signifies the speed with which Alexander won battles over a vast area from Africa to India. The goat, in verse 6, collides with the ram, breaks the ram's horns and humiliates it, crushing and destroying it. This reflects how the Medo-Persian Empire fell to the Greeks. And then we read that the goat, at the height of its powers, was broken by the unseen hand of God. Alexander the Great became inflated with pride at the speed and number of battle victories, but his arrogance was short lived and he died at the age of 32. The goat, Alexander, was replaced by four horns. These historically are Macedonia under Cassander, Thrace and Asia Minor under Lysimachus, Syria under Seleucus and Egypt under Ptolemy. Again, history has followed what Scripture said would happen. And in verse 9, Daniel notices that out of one of them came a little horn. From a small beginning it grew to great power, and its power stretched south and east, and then into the beautiful land of Canaan. There is no doubt that this refers to that most horrible man of history, Antiochus Epiphanes. He, as predicted, came from the Seleucid section and took Egypt with an immense army, following that by taking Elamias and Armenia. Then he invaded Canaan. This man, the little horn, referred to, arose as the great persecutor of God's people Israel. And there were five main things that we learn about his rule from this passage. Verse 10 and verse 24, there was no justice. He persecuted the Jews systematically. Stars signifying either leading Jews or authorities. Then in verse 11 and the first part of verse 12, there was no righteousness. Antiochus Epiphanes exalted himself higher than the Prince of Peace and blasphemed God by holding idolatrous sacrifices in the temple. Then verse 12, part B, and verse 25, there was no truth. He attacked truth consistently and practiced deception. He would often wait until he had somebody's trust before turning upon them and having them killed. And verse 12B again, there was no peace, for evil prospered underneath him. And in verse 25, there was no mercy. Antiochus Epiphanes was struck down by the invisible hand of God. It is documented that he fell ill in a small town in Egypt, and while on his sickbed wrote to the Jews saying that he himself would become a Jew if only God would save him. God showed him no mercy for the evil that he had performed on God's people and the attacks upon God himself. And then in verse fourteen we are told that it would last this time would last about twenty three hundred evenings and mornings until the sanctuary will be made holy again. And there are two schools of thought here. Some scholars say that this is about six and a quarter years. Antiochus Epiphanes ruled from one seventy one to one sixty five BC. Other people say that this is about three and a half years. The temple was used for heathen sacrifice for that length of time during Antiochus Epiphany's life. The end of time referred to in verses 17 to 19 could also refer to two things. It could refer to the end of Antiochus Epiphany's reign of terror over the Jews when the Jews could expect the Messiah to come and end God's indignation with the Jews. And secondly, it could mean the period of the Gentiles, which is from Nebuchadnezzar's reign to the second coming of Jesus. Whichever theory is correct, there are still applications that apply to our lives today. Firstly, rampant evil and not peace will rule on earth until Jesus comes again. We look around the world and we see conflicts and wars everywhere. Iraq, Afghanistan, throughout Africa and Asia. There will always be people like Antiochus Epiphanes. People from our own time, such as Hitler, and the slaughter of the Jews in the 1930s and the 40s. Or Idi Amin in Uganda. Or Pol Pot in the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, Campuchia. Stalin and the former USSR communist bloc, Ceaușescu and Romania, the submission to the state or government of all citizens being forced to accept government decrees. There will also always be the limitations of freedom to worship. I can still see the remains in the mass graves in the desecration and destruction of Cambodia coming from my television screen where even to think any kind of individual thought was suppressed and all books were destroyed. Were well, the pictures of the desecration of the millions of Jews during the second world war, or well, how about the persecution of religious peoples under the regimes in China, Romania, and the former USSR. And here in England or in the USA, or even Australia, the threats to us and our Christianity, are probably much more subtle. We see the media laughing at people like Cliff Richard, Billy Graham and other well-known Christians whenever they are in the spotlight. And in many countries around the globe where Christianity is illegal, suppressed or forced into the confines of government thinking. The attacks upon us here in the West are not so direct maybe, but much more subtle Frogs, when placed in a pot of cold water, do not feel the subtle rise in the water temperature when the pot is placed on a stove with a low heat. So they slowly boil to their death. Let us not be like those frogs. One day we are going to be attacked because we are Christians, and to think otherwise is clearly unbiblical. Secondly, what do we do when this time comes? It is natural for us when persecution hits us to ask why, but our reaction should probably be like the second angel and ask how long? We shouldn't be surprised when persecution comes to us and be like the Romanians who also ask not why, but how long. And thirdly, notice that the people who commit such atrocities And our great powers here on earth Are described as little horns And are just that, little Little in comparison to our awesome God He is the invisible hand Who merely sweeps them away With one quick brush of his invisible hand Is this not a God worthy of our praise and worship? These men could only harm the flesh, not the soul Their power was brittle like the horns on the goat and ram, and broken by the hand of God. Where is Hitler now, dead and buried? Where is Stalin? Nothing but dust in the frozen ground. Where is Antiochus Epiphanes now, dust blowing away in the wind? Where is Alexander the Great? Dust spread across the deserts, he so easily conquered quickly. All these men are dead. But where is our God? Alive forevermore. And Then fourthly, we bow the knee not to a rampaging ram or a galloping goat, but to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who is our horn of salvation. When all other horns have come and gone, We still have our horn of salvation in Him. When all the rams and goats have crossed the stage of history, God has His Lamb, Revelation chapter 5. All through the Bible and all through history as we know it, there have been dominions and powers that have all lasted only but a short passage of time. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, however, is not a passing fad or a temporary kingdom, but an everlasting one with Jesus himself as the Lamb and Horn of Salvation. That is why we can take Jesus into our place of work and study and into our cities with power. Even if all our friends and family reject him, we should still identify with him, for he is no other than the Christ, the King. All other powers are simply passing in the wind, No other power will prevail, and his peace will rule upon earth. All that harms his people will come to nothing, and we who are his will live forever with Jesus as our horn of salvation. Fifthly and lastly, we need to deal with the little horns of sin within our own lives. Horns throughout the Bible and history have been symbolic of power, Whatever sins are hidden in our hearts, we need to get rid of them and repent of them, turn our back on them. For the longer any individual sin is within us, the more power it tries to control us with if we do not hand it over to the Lord in prayer and action. The less we repent of sins, the less we grow in spiritual maturity and personal holiness. Let each one of us destroy the power of the little horns of sin by repenting and turning away from them and allowing our great horn of salvation, Jesus Christ, destroy them by continuing to hand them over to Him. You may not yet be a follower of this Jesus or accepted His little horn of salvation. So I would urge you most strongly to accept his call upon you. You may not get another chance. This Jesus Christ said he was coming back again. Not as a baby next time, but in full glory, power and majesty. And quickly, you'll be coming back to gather those who are in relationship with him and to wipe the tears of suffering and joy from their eyes. And those who are found not to be in relationship with him will spend eternity without him. He gives each of us innumerable opportunities to enter into relationship with him. This Jesus wants to connect with you in an intimate spiritual relationship. His eyes continue to wander the earth looking for those willing to submit themselves to his authority. If that is you, you can start this relationship with with the living God, Jesus Christ, now. Remember, he calls you by name. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Partakers Podcasts. Come back every day to www.partakers.co.uk where there is something uploaded to help you, wherever you are in this world, to live for Jesus Christ alone, and make him known. Our books are also available on Amazon at www.poptheology.com See you later!